couple of things. First of all, there's a very good reason why ADs fuck up because they're doing way more than they're supposed to be doing. It's not like uh, like the other departments are not fucking up. It's just that we don't see it. Hi everyone, this is Sabgi and we are back with another episode of Wild Tapes. I have with me my co-host Nikita Nevatya. Hi. We have a very special guest and he has assisted in 300 commercials which is a huge number because I can't imagine assisting on so many commercials and he has been assisting for the last 10 years. Am I right Nikita? Yes, and he has been doing second and uh, GA in the beginning of his career and now he's been doing first for a while now. Hi Sagar, thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say thanks for doing this uh, podcast. It's a great initiative that you guys are doing. I think this is much required and like a very good use of your time during this coronavirus uh, crisis. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. This is great encouragement. Uh, so, I wanted to know why did you choose commercials over films? Why are you doing commercials and not films? Uh, actually, the thing is that it was a decision that I made right in the beginning. Uh, when I was in my college time that I wanted to do advertising. I got into advertising and it's the kind of thing that once you're uh, in it, unless you make a con decision to kind of move away from it uh, it becomes very hard to kind of come out of it so for me I, it just i just went with the flow of things and i got so used to the uh, format of uh, telling a story within like you know like 30 seconds and that kind of yeah. working style and uh, my mind just became very tuned to that uh, uh, format so it becomes a bit hard to move away from that it's not that it can't be done it can definitely be done a lot of people do it a lot of people uh, AD in feature film as well as commercials uh, simultaneously. So it's not a major problem. But uh, I think it was like a personal choice basically. So yeah. Have you assisted in films yet or it's only been ads throughout? It's only been commercials and that's kind of, that's a choice that I made. Uh, a right. choice to stick to advertising. So I think we can start with, uh, you know, like we were discussing the other day also that the exploitation that happens and also the glorification of this entire all of that. So what do you think about that? How does that happen in ads and especially with the people who are new and also with the kind of position that you are in if it happens still or it only happens to the newer people who come in? Do you want to speak about that? Uh, if I have to speak about uh, the exploitation in the advertising industry, it's not like a, it's not a monolithic structure. It's not like every production house is out there to exploit you and every production house is out there to kind of, you know, uh, get you to work for free as an intern or whatever, whatever. Mm. All production houses have their own uh, ethics about this kind of thing. So I haven't. Uh, I wouldn't be able to say that, you know, for sure that there is one way to go about it. In the, in the present time, uh, things have changed a lot compared to when I had started out. Uh, it's much more, uh, I feel, ethical and it's also self-regulated. I mean, there is no regulatory body for advertising production houses. They can do whatever the hell they want, actually. You know? <laughs> um, it's kind of like a, a kingdom kind of uh, setup. So many of who do you think is the king people, of that kingdom? 
okay that i don't know but uh, whoever is uh, kind of working in the industry right now they've uh, kind of come from a system which was exploitative to begin with so i think they also made a choice as producers and and as directors that we will not do what was uh, done to us or you know what was happening in the past uh so to going by that logic like many people have a have a good working style they were good working ethic it's not a it's not like everybody's like that mm. but there's no doubt about it that there are different sections and different stratas of uh, of the advertising industry as well so if you have somebody who's kind of mid range to lower mid range these guys might not have the same standards at, as some of the the better houses that they have so uh, they tend to kind of go more for this model of uh, you know we're giving you a chance to work and so on and so on. do you think advertising also has that the entire gang behavior and you know jis bande ne jaise ek director ne ek assistant ek team ke sath kaam kar liya uske baad he's just going to call them over and over again which also stops the opportunities for people who would like to work or have the talent or you know would like to enter in that specific team so do you think there is a nepotistic behavior even in ads so uh uh this so basically what i feel is uh, working in the creative arts that we are working in mm. it's advertising filmmaking blah 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 so on and so yeah. forth we are not we are not scientists we are not like you know engineers it's not a pure science so there mm. is no one exact way of doing things it's not like uh, a plus b equals c and that is always yeah. the case it's not like that it's very fluid it's constantly changing so the point i'm trying to make is that everybody has their own personal journey everybody has their own personal philosophy yeah. so me uh working in this field is basically a matter of philosophy like i may have a personal philosophy of not exploiting people not abusing people and that's my own personal call to take but for others that might not be the case they may feel that making these people work really hard and grinding them to the ground and that's the way they learn that's their own personal philosophy so uh, in the sense it's very hard to make a judgment of who's right and who's wrong apart from very basic human values which is mm. i mean which everybody knows and you know but don't you think even that and, gets uh, but don't you think that's the problem in the industry when you say that that everybody has a different philosophy of working um, even basic understanding or basic human rights are also most of the time crossed like you know the boundaries are always crossed most of the time always is wrong word here but most of the time the boundaries are crossed like they own you sort of especially as ads when you work on a project you almost all the time feel like you are owned by the production houses with your time with your sleep with your food which is basic things right a person does yeah i agree with that uh, like like we were both saying that it's not always with everybody there are some production houses yeah. who behave like that and this is exactly the point that yeah. i'm making actually that some production houses yeah. take that call to make that their philosophy and their working style and there are many production houses who i also yeah. know personally who come from that kind of background but they have consciously made that choice that we will not treat our employees like this we will not treat our people like this we will treat everybody fairly yeah. Yeah. so that was my basic point that there is no exact formula to, to this kind of science so now coming to your question on nepotism so i'll answer that as well 
nepotism again is something which uh, in our industry again it's a it's very common thing because we work on such difficult timelines everything is so tight that we are willing to pay a premium for the assurance of uh, quality guarantee so that comes in many forms the client will pay a huge amount of money to the who they know will deliver in a very small period of time the production house will have their own ways of dealing with this issue of you know how do you deliver a film within a week what they probably want to do is not take any chances with anybody who they consider to be new but they want to go with like a tried and tested thing so generally they would feel comfortable with delivering a project with somebody who they've already worked with who they already know what that person can bring to the table mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody completely new it's not that they don't try out new people they do try out new people but for sure it's a major problem in in our industry of not trying out new people and this goes across the board for every department it also applies to directors it also applies to production houses i'm sure there are many agencies mm. who are like oh we don't really know what this production houses and who these people are so let's try them in this film maybe like the next film or something like that. you know so this problem is kind of it starts right from the bottom and it goes right till the top mm. i mean it's so ironic and paradoxical that uh, you know for you to be able to bag a job you have to have already done a job like that before which you may or may not have done so it's it's a bit ridiculous but that being said the barriers of barriers to entry for this industry i feel are a bit lower actually ironically they're a bit lower because as an intern when production houses are not paying you and whatever whatever they do tend to take you on board quite easily for exactly that reason if you're even fairly smart and
one of the things that we definitely want to touch upon is also the fact that whatever you just said works across all kinds of films right be it ads be it films be it music videos everywhere this is the same kind of exploitation and there are two sides to it but when it comes to commercials you know we are so close to corporates and we are funded entirely by them uh do you do you think there is a space that we lack to have the same kind of professionalism as them at least in the ad industry where do you Absolutely. think we lack yeah yeah definitely i think this is by far the biggest problem that we have in this country in this industry that there is absolutely no regulation whatsoever when it comes to production houses mm. um uh, like for example our funding so to speak comes from uh corporate houses who are themselves governed by so many laws labor unions uh, yeah. ministry of uh, yeah. whatever whatever and all that jazz they can't just do whatever they feel like doing mm. even though to some extent those uh, norms are flouted like for example if mm-hmm. uh, a guy is working in a in a company and he's supposed to be working mm-hmm. from 9 to 5 very often he'll be working until 9 pm or 10 pm or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever and that's not entirely legal mm-hmm. but at the same time uh, they do have a lot of other benefits that we don't have they have some kind of job security they have some kind of uh, health insurances health insurances exactly so they have a lot of things that are going for them which we don't have so us being funded by these corporates who are themselves so highly regulated why should our industry not be regulated mm-hmm. and it's not some radical idea or anything yeah. like that it's it's very very much a norm mm-hmm. in the western world in yeah. other film industry mm-hmm. abroad if you're in the united kingdom mm-hmm. or in the us or in australia new zealand the kind of labor unions that these guys have are extremely extremely strong yeah i mean it's it's set up in such a way that people can't really be exploited and mm-hmm. even if they are working beyond the hours that they're supposed to be officially be working they compensated very well from Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. not like uh, it's not like it's a it's a model which is like are what is this this is some communist uh, <laughs> uh, kind of setup of labor union nothing like that it's actually yeah, it actually also the fact that really when you say like these labor union things right especially in bombay because that's where i work there are so many unions that one single department can join right because of political parties or whatever other reasons there is not there is no single body that like you are mentioning handles the entire outlook of oh if you're not getting payment you know you can go to this place and they will handle it for you oh uh, actually there is a body it's just ironic that none of us know about it most See? people have been working in the industry for so long they don't know about it and there's a very good reason why they don't know about it because clearly that body is not doing the job that they're supposed to do mm-hmm. it's not like the union doesn't exist the union does exist yeah. and because uh, this podcast is specifically about uh, uh, assistance and talk about ads and i am myself uh, an ad so i'll speak specifically about that mm. officially as far as i know mm. uh, there is only one union for the mm. and mm. everybody else who claims to be an ad union is a self proclaimed uh, 
ऑप्शन बट टू at that point of such pressure on set yeah. you just end up coming under somebody's words i feel yeah i mean this is actually the perfect example of their of the lack of regulation which we need to have mm. like it's so bad that we don't even know on set who the real union is and what is the function <laughs> yeah. of this real union that's that's the problem because just anyone just shows up and they ask ask you for money and then you have to pay up i mean it's kind of like uh borderline extortion i mean i would even say it's borderline it's clear cut extortion yeah. so uh, like i was saying there is officially only one union which mm. is supposed to represent the ads mm. but that union itself is is very very flawed it's very weak it mm. doesn't have the kind of powers that it's uh, that it should be having mm. and it's probably not manned by the right people Mm. uh so i'll just give you an example of mm. uh, what had happened mm. uh in my uh, many years of working this is the only time that this happened that i worked for a production house for a project for for a, it was a very long project for almost 3 weeks a couple of weeks of prep and a, about a week of shoot and at the end of it they just decided not to pay me and a bunch of other uh, members of the crew and there was no there was literally nothing that uh, i could do or any a, a few of the other crew members could do to recover that money so i did go to this so called union because at that point of time i was part of this union mm. and uh, i told them that okay i have done so and so projects so and so production house and they have not paid me and it's been like a good one year mm. now and blah 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 so on and so forth and uh, they said something which was so shocking to me that uh, i was completely off the whole union thing they told me that we'll try and recover your money but we're going to take 10% of that money what so, are you saying like, what yeah yeah they they told me this and it's not anything like hidden or something it's it's actually on the form you have to fill a form if you want to recover your money at the bottom there's an asterisk and it said uh union will uh, be taking 10% of the the fact money. that we are already getting underpaid usme se bhi unko 10% jaye jiske liye unhone kuch kaam nahi kiya hai ye kya i mean it's not even a question of getting underpaid you have not gotten paid at all for that job <laughs> and these guys are saying that we will take 10% of that money which has not been paid to you in a year which is completely ridiculous yeah, yeah so my point is that so why are you charging me that membership fee then if this is exactly. what you this is your business model of uh, of making money then just say that every time nobody if some recovery has to be done we'll be like a recovery agent and we'll charge you some percentage of that fee <laughs> so then don't charge me that membership fee of 3000 because my yeah. question is where is that membership fee of 3 4 5000 going yeah. i'm spending it on just yeah. to have that plastic card which you know, yeah. which i can also i think when you speak about these labor unions and all uh, it's also specifically for assistants and associates that they are not so well formed uh hod's unions that be director screenwriter i think are fairly much better and, more and much more secure also. yeah much more secure than our yeah our unions are in general i also think no what i think is that ad is such a department which is which is independent cinematographers are very close they are like a knit 
like the dp will take care of them they will make sure that they're getting paid like i know so many of my friends who are editors who are assistant editors they are specifically the editor will fight for them to you know get a specific amount of salary and they will be very open about okay we're not going to work if you're not going to pay my assistant this much so i think that something like this does not exist in a assistant direction world i think that also i think it does for movies because like we spoke okay. to our last guest ella it does ah. for movies because it's also a long relationship you share with the hods don't you think sagar that's also the case because in commercials your relationship with your team is very short you know it's like a week or two weeks why would you uh uh i'm not sh- i i can't speak for people who work in feature film because i don't mm. know exactly how it works and what mm. what the deal yeah. is but there is one very very major difference between them and us by them mm. i mean the feature film uh, assistants and the advertising mm. assistant is that in feature mm. film you have a contact which is packed down everything is probably uh, mm. decided signed by a company yeah. and so on and so forth yeah. so you have that to fall back on if nothing mm. yeah advertising there's no such thing there is no contract mm. there is nothing there should be there is you know something i would actually started doing something because you're talking about contracts right now i started doing something about i think 8 months back every time a project was coming to me i was sending them a very detailed mail that because our uh, pre production also goes on for so long that we end up losing a lot of money and it becomes very difficult to go with our daily bills and stuff right so it has to be in sync with our pre work as well so i started sending them mails every time i was getting a confirmed project and every time i have done that they've been so annoyed by it because they're like shit now we have to give her a word now we have to confirm the fact that yeah 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 I mean, this is a practice that I've been also following since this incident, which I just mentioned mm-hmm. about uh, mm-hmm. uh, me having worked for almost a month mm-hmm. and not getting paid. So what I what I always do is that I always send an email, especially with production houses who I'm working with for the first time or people who are new. I'll send an email as soon as they confirm the job, saying uh, these are the shoot dates, these are the prep dates, these are my terms and conditions for payment, and so on and so forth. So everything is there in black and white, and I ask them please reply to this email with a confirmation and. and like you're saying i mean sometimes i have gotten similar responses where people are not very happy about this kind of thing so there will be a lot of resistance to uh, any kind of regulation that you're planning to to bring in so just kind of like uh, backtrack a little bit and come back to the other unions the other unions are actually very very strong for example the union which like every, the most famous one which everybody uh, knows and sort of fears is your junior artist uh, position you can't mess with those guys it's very very clear cut and that's how it should be because it's it's very clear that x amount of rupees is the money that will be charged mm. per artist per day or per shift whatever that mm. amount is and that is kind of set in stone you can't mm. touch that they'll give you a grace of like maybe like a half an hour or mm. at the most 45 minutes or something mm. like that but be above and beyond that you will have to pay them if you're mm. making those people work overtime so mm. in that in that sense their union is extremely ex- extremely strong and that's how it should be i'll tell yeah. you why it's very important that it should be like that because uh it becomes there is a, there is a major benefit of standardization for example production house a who has a budget of 10 lakh rupees and there's a production house b that has a budget of 1 and 1/2 crores for the same yeah. film 
to a very very large extent that becomes a fixed cost your junior artist cost mm. is always fixed and that's always passed on to the client so yeah. in whatever budget sheet that your producers are making or whatever mm. they're doing that cost is always the same that should be for every department if mm. the if the fee is regulated and the fee is fixed that there's no more negotiating which is painful for the producers it's painful mm. for the line producers it's painful for the crew it's painful for everybody but for for example for like uh, your junior artists it's it's a fixed cost that gets passed on to the client directly and that's what we should be doing for everybody so that yeah. kind of that sort of uh, levels the playing field also mm. for production houses you know when they are mm. trying to uh, bag a job in competition with other production houses mm. then mm. if you have a fairly set cost throughout across the board for every department that really changes the game but that uh, changes the game. the game for the producers producers as well right production houses as well because what happens is then they can't mint money off you like i have very the save uh, paying you less paying you less which is why i think it's not being practiced by most people because i i know a lot of uh, not a lot of in fact one of this time that i had stylistically somehow come across the budget sheet And I was I not even getting that. <laughs> <laughs> and I had seen next to my name the amount of money that was written. I was not even getting what thirty percent of that money. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And so, do you do you think that's yeah, the mean, case also? Yeah. That that is the case only. It's not a question <laughs> of also. I mean, that's basically what it is. so yeah. i mean they obviously inflate their margins yeah. whenever they are putting above wherever it is that they're going whoever it is that they're putting to so if it becomes a fixed cost that uh, doesn't help them but it definitely helps quite a bit actually the thing is it would also help them to a large extent because then it's the same you know because it's not like whatever amount of money the production house is putting to the agency or the client that immediately approved there is a lot of negotiation that's probably mm. happening behind the doors there as well so mm. for example uh, just broadly speaking for example mm. if uh, there is a fixed cost for every department mm. then you, they can just say to the client that you know there's nothing we can do about these costs because these are union rates we can't touch mm. those things and everybody will say the same thing so the chances of you know being undercoated or undercut by some yeah. other production house is a bit is lower for you as a producer then it's more about your craft and more about the work that you are going to deliver than about the money that you are offering yeah 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 because i mean it's not everything there are a lot of variable components mm. which will always change your locations will be different mm. your set cost will be different all of yeah. these will always be different but if at least at the the base level your people are all being paid the same then at mm. least that remains you know, that amount of money is fixed for everybody and you can't mm. negotiate on that cost at least the client can't tell you that you know or whatever please reduce your cost on so and so front you can say that no we can't do that it's just not possible like uh, obviously it doesn't happen but tomorrow a agency or client can't say go and you have a, a junior artist requirement of 200 250 people for your mm. shoot they can't say just pay them 500 each you can't do that because that it's yeah. something which is set in stone you can't touch it and that's how it should be for everybody what kind of relationship you share with directors is it very equal is it because there is a sense of uh superiority right with directors especially on sets and the ad team which is completely fair but 
do you think as first ADs that there is a sense of equality when it comes to directors and how do you handle different directors as well? Uh, relationship with, how do I handle relationship with directors? Um, it's actually, uh, the question itself is a bit of a misnomer because uh, the problem in our industry na, is that we think that assistant director means director ka assistant. Hai wo. It's not <laughs> the yeah. case. That's not the case. Yeah. We actually do production work and execution. Yeah, because actually the, the real job profile of, of a first AD strike a balance between the directorial needs and the production ability of uh, the producer to give them the kind of things that they need. And in the middle, you kind of should help to streamline that process and see that what the director wants, how can he get that without stressing out the production too much or what kind of creative solutions can I provide to make sure that he gets his thing that he's looking for at the same time, the producer is not spending too much out of their pocket. Like one of the, the, the most uh, classic examples that I usually go with is that, you know, uh, why call a, why call for a Jimmy Jib when you can, do the same job with a track and trolley or rather why call for a panther when you can do the same uh, job with a track and trolley because in the entire film if there's one shot that requires yeah. a tracking shot only and everything else is static then why spend like a 20, 30, 40,000 and get a panther mm-hmm. when you can spend like 1500 rupees and get a track and trolley and achieve the same effect. So these are the kind of solutions I feel like uh, first lady needs to be able to deliver in the middle and that is their main job. Apart from, mm. of course, the, the mm. organization of the shoot and the logistics, mm. the value add that you can bring, which comes with the experience of freelancing and working in different, different setups mm. is, is this, these kind of creative solutions of mm. how do you uh, get, give the director whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, to answer your question about relating to the director, it's extremely different with every different director in every different production houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the case. Uh, across the board with all department heads. There are some DPs who you get along with, with the house and fire, some DPs who you will not get along with, some production designers who you will love, some production mm-hmm. designers who will hate you. And this is the case everywhere. So it's a, it's a kind of trial and error. And after yeah. a kind of time, you arrive at a point where you figured mm-hmm. out who gets you, who you get, mm-hmm. and who you're not going to be able to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of pick Also, I think your, you've been around for like... 10 years right so it also makes sense when you know a lot of people like the amount of people that you will know when you're working with a team you will already know 50% to 60% of them because you've been That's around right. for so long so yeah, that also helps build yeah. actually we've, I was not going to ask this question but because uh, we are on the place where we're talking about experience I just want to run through it is what do you think about young directors, you know, who start directing at a very young age and don't have AD experiences because ads, mostly the directors I have worked with have had a good chunk of experience as an AD. But do you think that that's still fine? Because then they have more experience as a director by the age of say 30 or 40, then have experience as an AD. The only benefit of having been uh, an AD and then versus uh, having no AD experience is that uh, when you have been an AD and you are directing, you are not asking for 
stupid things and you are not asking for things which are unrealistic you know what can be delivered in that particular amount of yeah. time yeah. and you know uh, things much more on a technical level like you know yeah. the ability of a scorpio arm you know what a jimmy jib can do you know what a what a panther can do and what it cannot do all of these things so you know the uh, what can be achieved and what cannot be achieved much more than if if you are just simply directing if you are simply directly directing there's nothing wrong with that a lot of people do that and a lot of people are very good at it if you're directly uh, simply directing also uh, you may end up uh, asking for things which are not possible but i think that's which, where your team uh, comes in right that you be open to learning also as an ad also we are so open to learning absolutely but if you are coming with that uh, yeah. attitude Yeah. saying that okay i don't know too much about this so you guys need to help me out versus behaving like you already know everything when actually you don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like it's more it, it, it needs to be a collab- collaboration than a job that oh i'm the director i think right? a part of being yeah. a director yeah. also involves how to get work done from your ad or departments and how to distribute work and how to tell them that acha ye ek chahiye mujhe and this is how you will do it or at least figure it out for me i think that's also a part of being uh, a director i mean uh, that's that's a great uh, thing mm. that you've pointed out uh, i genuinely feel that after having worked with so many directors the best people who i uh, the people who i think are the best directors are the ones who know how to motivate their team and get the out of them so yeah. that uh the team is not giving you the bare minimum if you are going to be abusive to your team if you are going to uh act like you know oh i am the director and i know everything and you are an idiot then your team will always give you only the bare minimum that's required of them they will never go out of their way to give you the best but if you treat them well and you know what you're doing you do your homework you uh if you bring a lot of credibility to the table in terms of what you say is what you do as a director you definitely gain a lot of respect from your people there's no doubt about it and uh also people want to go out of their way to make sure that your film comes out the best that it possibly can so it's very very important to treat your crew well yeah yeah all right yeah so this is something we also discussed uh, in the pre interview is about you know how um, smart is it to step out right now during the covid situation and also an additional question that i also like to add to this you can answer together is how does uh, now storytelling change like does the entire grandeur of you know having great shots and ads changes or is it what do you think what is going to happen now with storytelling and all of that right so i mean with with covid a lot of things have changed there's no doubt about it like for 3 months at least like from around mid march till mid uh, june no shoots were happening officially everything mm-hmm. was shut down everything had stopped mm-hmm. so financially that kind of took a toll on a bunch of people and uh, they did jump right back into it that's their mm-hmm. own personal call because when mm-hmm. shoots resumed again like in the beginning mm-hmm. of july in the beginning of this month um a lot of people jump back into it quickly without exactly knowing what is going on with the pandemic and nobody in the world really knows what is going on with with the pandemic yeah. but that being said uh, from whatever i've seen and heard and spoken to people and stuff 
uh, all the production houses are taking a lot of uh, care. There's PPE kits. There's very few people on set. They've reduced uh, the number of people that were constantly roaming around on the set and stuff. So the way we work is uh, hopefully going to change for the better because of this. We'll have a much more peaceful set. We'll have uh, a smaller crew, more efficient. Hopefully, this Sagar's will continue job will get the easier. trend which is happening. Right <laughs> hmm? Sagar's job will get easier. I'll think your get job easier. will get easier. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be less noise on the set. So all those things are pretty nice. And also, uh, in the present time, because uh, agencies and clients and production houses know that you know you can't do like a full-on shoot with like 400 extras and stuff. Uh, what they'll what is happening, I think, is also that the scripts are becoming much more realistic uh, based on what can be achieved right now. So if it's like a studio shoot or if it's a bungalow shoot or even if it's a location, it's not. It's probably not written. Uh, on a script level yeah. in a way mm-hmm. where it's completely unrealistic. So, nice. so that's good. But that being said, uh, whether or not you want to dive back into shoots and get back into it is purely again, a personal call. Personal. I know yeah. some people who are willing to sit it out and wait till things are better. Uh, and some people don't want to do that. Some people feel like, no, it's, it's okay. I mean, I'll be fine. I mean, we just jump, jump back into it. So mm-hmm. that's again, personal uh, choice from person to person what would what would you be your advice or you know suggestion to people who are new and watching this interview and who will be joining the industry when this entire covid situation goes away and you know everything goes back to normal if there is a normal what would your suggestion be to the ones who will be joining uh, the ad department specifically it would be very hard to say uh, as freshers what advice to give them. Uh, because first of all, I cannot even advise them whether to even do this or not for the time being. But when, when things do, do turn out, uh, turn out yeah. well and things have stabilized a bit, I think uh, you should keep a very open mind to whatever this industry has to offer. And if your uh, boundaries are being breached and uh, you are not being treated well, you should stand up for your uh, rights and not just keep taking it uh, because the more you keep taking it, uh, the more and more it's going to increase. So you definitely need to stand up for your rights and speak up about it. And I think you would be also respected uh, for doing that. Yeah. So Sagar, uh, one last question is we all fuck up a lot on sets. All of us know that, especially ADs. So we wanted to know what is your wildest fuck up yet that you have <laughs> you you were responsible for on set. So a uh, couple of things. First of all, there's a very good reason why ADs fuck up because they're doing way more than they're supposed to be doing. It's not like uh, yeah. like the other departments are not fucking up. It's just that we don't see it. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, uh, for fucking up, it's a, it's pretty funny. But when I was the first TV. By the point of time, I'd done already so much work as a second, mm-hmm. and I was a very experienced, uh, highly experienced mm-hmm. second that I did not have too many fuck ups as a, as a first AD. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew all the pitfalls and whatever. But as a second, one of the worst things that I did was uh, it was a huge shoot with a lot of extras, which we were shooting in some other city, not mm-hmm. even in Bombay. And one night before the shoot, I realized that I had not told the costume stylist that some 150, 200 extras are coming. So the costume <laughs> stylist had, had, had about 100, 150 people at 
10 o'clock in the night for the shoot of the next morning so that was oh and, and it was not like a normal pant shirt kind of thing it was a shaadi ka shit shit then what what happened how did she react or no 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 it happened they flipped they flipped out obviously at that point of time yeah <laughs> We figured it out somehow. <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, it, like I always say, this that you know, whenever I have uh, secondaries working with people, like you know, uh, no matter what happens, the shoot is going to happen. Shoot to okay, right? Which we are, no matter what the fuck up is or whatever happens, there will always be ways to adapt it and fix it and figure things out and then like you know make it happen like i in my entire entire career i've never seen a shoot has stopped for uh, mm. for whatever reason okay if it's rain or whatever then theek hai then it's understandable but it has never happened because some fuck up has happened by the ad department no shoot has mm. ever stopped and i think that's a very important lesson even for the people started ad yeah. or who have been ad like you know for a little bit amount of time to understand this fact ki You can fix it. Everything can be fixed. You just have to be in that state of chalo. Ye ho jaya hai. Now next time I'm going to work with you. I'm going to hold this against you. You absolutely can because like I always say this to my uh, seconds when I'm working. I'm like there is no fuck up that you can do that I can't fix. So feel free. That's this week's episode of Wild Shapes. We'd like to thank our amazing team. The show has been edited by our amazing friend Anurag Ramjiwal, who's also our executive producer. The artwork and logo has been created by Vikas Singh, and the incredible music has been created by Devraj. You can also follow us on Instagram and find these talented team of ours and support them there. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. You can also write to us at takeswildtapes at the rate gmail dot com. Thank you for listening.